Welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast. It is here. The World Cup has arrived, and we have for you our grand preview. Qatar 2022. It is here, man. It is all happening. We've got Brazil, we got France, we got Germany, we got Spain, we got Argentina, we got England, we got Italy. No Italy. But we've got a stack field. We got Portugal. We've got the Netherlands, Mexico, and of course, the good old US of A. They made it this year. Hooray. It's all gravy from here, right? I mean, after the disaster four years ago, I mean, we should just be happy to be here, right? Right, guys? That's how everybody's feeling, right? We're, we have perspective, right? I'll let Steve take that one. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Both as a USA fan, you know, 2018 was a hard reset. I'm happy that just to be able to enjoy them in the tournament again. But as far as a fan of soccer in general, I'm just happy that it's basically a couple more sleeps till a four World Cup is ahead of us. Mike, does it feel real yet? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm starting to, like, because I'm planning stuff when I'm back home in Chicago with people, like, I'm starting to, like, set plans for games. It's, like, this week, it's, like, really feeling real. It started to really solidify for me when they announced the squads, and then this, once the games were over last weekend, I was like, oh, okay, the next time I watch soccer, it'll be World Cup, and then they've started to show videos of the teams arriving, and it just, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I keep it keeps swelling and it's it, I'm starting to shake. It's amazing. I saw Jack Grealish arrive and I'm kind of trying to figure out how he <laughs> stuck his way onto that plane. We'll get to it. Well, we'll get to it. Considering I'm, I'm playing with England right now in our uh, league of dorks um, FIFA simulation, I can tell you that it's uh slim pickings out there um, on the wing. So that, that might be why, but um, this, uh, <laughs> that is that is no no fade um for you saying he ain't going nowhere near cutter um i didn't think he was either um, i was surprised honestly yeah i was surprised let's just get right to it we're gonna dive in run through each group tell you a little bit about each team where we feel the wind is blowing concerning those burning questions like who will advance in what order how do i make money off of it but more importantly you know the world cup is a celebration of not just the juggernauts, but those nations you may think are just stoked to be here, but really, they believe they can change the world. And even though we've only had a select few group of winners, you'd be shocked by how deep some teams can make it in this tournament if you are not familiar. For the uninitiated, we have our group stage, and then we have our knockout stage. Group stage is composed of 32 teams, Drawn across eight different groups. You finish in the first spot or the second spot, you advance. Third or fourth, you're done. So let's start with Group A and our host nation, Cutter. Um, so Cutter, again, got this bid in a bit of a controversial fashion. And uh, we are uh, dealing with our first Winter World Cup. But all that aside... This is the 22nd edition of the World Cup, and there's some sour grapes. Um, Qatar, not exactly the proudest of footballing nations, was up against the United States for this tournament. We're not the proudest of footballing nations, all things being equal, but we're here. We're excited to be here, and we're not going to let that be a distraction. And, you know, uh, there might be some fun, uh, fun things that take place, transpire, 
because we're having a Winter World Cup. I mean, Mike, I know you see plenty of silver linings. I do, and and you know, there's there's a lot of controversy. We won't get too far into it for those who you know don't know about the bidding process and um, just some of the, I guess, call them uh, practices around Qatar in general. I I like to see the World Cup as a place where people can uh, engage with people from other cultures, learn more about other cultures. I think it's a it's a time where um, I have this optimistic idea of seeing progress at the World Cup. I think also uh, France's goalkeeper, Hugo Yuri came out and said, you know, please let us as players focus on playing because it is a big burden to put political agendas or, you know, those different sorts of things on players' fields. So uh, on their shoulders, excuse me. So I, I actually, I feel like it's not to be dismissive of different things as they relate to us as humans. Um, but the thing that I just love about the sport in general is you've, you know, it, any shape or size, you can play the game and it is such an inclusive sport. And so I hope that that is really, um, you know, what's shining through over the course of the tournament. I have good feelings. Steve, do you think that some of that essence of the beautiful game will transcend some of the negativity and um, and we're going to have a very, very positive month and uh, realize the world's better off that at least we brought this tournament to Qatar? Yeah, I don't really want to gloss over the concerns and consequences of the tournament, um, you know, but we've been kind of having this conversation about since it was awarded a decade ago almost. Um, you know, there's some pretty bad human rights atrocities in the building of the World Cup. There's been some homophobic rhetoric that's truly awful, but at least for the time being, <clears throat> I'm very excited for their, the reason for the season has actually arrived and for the football to be highlighted. Um, it's still a very pure spectacle between the lines and it's a perfect way to highlight you know a combination of cultures and community and really brings a spectacle to the world and allows us to all kind of share memories for a very very ceremonious occasion and again i think we said it earlier but there's only been 22 of these and it's only every four years it comes and goes in a flash and it's all very very precious so i'm just happy to enjoy the sport while we can and because it is the beautiful game, and that's why I said we're very happy that not necessarily the Cutters hosting the World Cup, but that we have the opportunity to bring this sport and this atmosphere, this culture, this tournament to Cutter. I think might be better for it. But you know, let's talk about let's talk about them as a footballing nation because you know it's it's very interesting. Um, it's easy to gloss over a lot of host nations. And it's easy to be dismissive of a team, uh, you know, from a nation this small that was awarded this so controversially. But they've skyrocketed in the FIFA rankings um, from 99th in 2010 to 50 now, which is pretty good. And they even bagged the 2019 uh, Asia Cup. Those are some decent sides to be playing against, relatively speaking, considering that they had nobody 10 years ago. I mean, still to this day, I mean, probably the best known player on their side, Akram Akif, who's a winger for Al Saad, best team in their domestic league. Um, 
you know, not household name. I, I don't know that Cutter's going to produce a household name anytime soon, but the household name that has most prominently influenced their game and I think is going to be the reason that we are very, very, very impressed with not only the way they play, but how effectively they employ this style. I mean, Xavier Hernandez is basically their spiritual leader. Um, Mike, can you talk about how important it is to, uh, on the ground floor, when you were setting up really this next era of your nation and development, to have a guy like that in there teaching you how you should be playing the sport? Yeah, I mean, they they basically wanted to model a country and their footballing philosophy after Barcelona. Um, I do quickly want to um, tie back. You said it's not probable that a cut uh, someone from Qatar will become a household name. Do you guys remember who scored the first goal of the 2010 World Cup in South Africa? Shabalala, baby. We'll never forget that name. So I made Lee watch the highlight the other night. Dude, the Shabalala goal. The so because the host nation is the only game on the first day, they have the opportunity to score the first goal of the tournament. And so Shabalala scored the very first um, first African goal of a World Cup. So that was that was pretty neat. It still gives me chills, man. That was such an insane moment. I love, I, oh man, I love that. Um, so anyways, I'm getting super excited about the the kickoff already. But yeah, I mean, they, they've done a great job of building the DNA of that nation. And if, if you think about it, Barcelona is not really supposed to be a, a one-man team, right? Like no. we, we've had Lionel Messi with this this squad, but I think that the way that Cutter plays is very, you know, whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So outside of Javi and obviously building a quality culture that is very team oriented, they've brought in other good coaches to that squad. Current manager being uh, Felix Sanchez boss, who is also Spanish. So that is the way that they're going to play. And I really truly think they're a dangerous team in this tournament. And the only host to ever miss out on the knockouts or to not advance from the group stage was South Africa and Cutter is arguably in a better position than them. Um, I think the majority of their team has also had a break because they uh, suspended their league in the middle of September. So, you know, home field advantage, they definitely seem to have an identity. I wouldn't be surprised if another host advance. So joining Cutter in group A, we also have Ecuador, Senegal, and the historic Netherlands side, He's made three finals, yet to bag one, but, you know, most recently, 2014, made the semis, 2010, that was one of their finals appearances. They're a little bit of Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk, who hasn't had the sharpest season, but a very, very, very talented side who a lot of smart people have been talking about as a potential dark horse. Steve, what does the Netherlands have going for them this tournament? They brought back uh, Louis Van Hall, who was their manager during their run in South Africa and legendary Dutch manager. And they've made a bit of a switch to a 3-5-2 formation. Um, I think the pieces are finally coming together for them. Netherlands suddenly have solid talent all over the field. There doesn't seem to be a real weakness, maybe outside a goalkeeper for them. And they look really strong at the back with Virgil van Dijk, Nathan Ake, Jurian Timber. Um, they have a really good shot, I think, at this. Um, you'll probably hear me mention the ELO ratings a little bit, which is basically a more specific form of the FIFA rankings, and they're fourth in that. So I think they're a pretty solidly underrated um, 
team to make a run in this tournament. No, absolutely. Um, so moving along to Senegal, um, Sadio Mane was a question mark, uh, but included in the squad. Now we know he won't be playing, even without Sadio Mane playing. Mike, I know you have an affinity for the Senegalese. I know it's personal. Um, tell me about it. They were they were my first favorite dark horse, and it was like the dark horse of dark horses in 2002 when they were knocked out uh, by Turkey in the quarters, and they almost pulled that off. Actually, the second African team to ever do that. Uh, Cameroon was the first team to make the quarters in 1990, and then Ghana did it in 2010. So it was fun just getting to know a lot of the different players. I always love finding an African team to watch because they play with such pace and physicality. Um, that's the general brand I feel like that that you get from African nations is just, you know, uh, never say die. And and I just, I love the enthusiasm that, um, you know, they play with. Yeah, Steve, th- looking back months ago, this seemed like one of those teams that was pegged to maybe, all things considered, you know, make a run and buck longstanding trends um, with African nations not making it deep into the tournament. Um, we're going to go through the rest of the group, but are you hopeful that um, we're going to see more um, from African nations in this cutter tournament? I don't think the draw was very kind to African nations, unfortunately. Um, I'm always waiting for that big tournament where multiple African teams make it to the quarterfinals. I think a lot of people are. They're usually exciting teams. They have really fun fan bases and bring a really enjoyable aspect to the tournaments. Um, but um, yeah, I guess the hope is that an African team can make a lot of noise. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and uh, probably the greatest African team of all time, correct me if I'm wrong or if you have a strongly differing opinion, um, that Ivory Coast squad that uh, was drawn in this, a horrific group of death. I think it was Germany and Portugal, uh, that Drogba side. They just... They, there were several. Yeah. Several Ivory Coast sides just got terrible draws. Netherlands was in that as well. Yikes. Um, yeah. So let's move on to Ecuador. We're led by uh, our our lovely seagulls who um, who uh, are still remaining pesky despite Grandpa Potter's departure. Um, Brighton's left back, Purvis Estupinon. Steve, tell me about Ecuador. Came in fourth in South American qualifying, mostly on the back of some really strong home results. Um, you know, they have the benefit of playing, I think, in the highest stadium in the world, or most the highest elevation. Um, so that's usually been their calling card, and I doubt that translates too well to uh, Cutter. But yeah, they've got Estupinian as well as Moises Caicedo, both from Brighton, and you know, uh, I think this is their fourth World Cup first since 2014 and they've a very exciting South American side. So it's been, it's been about 16 years, but Mike, uh, you scouted them, didn't you? I did. I have so many fun personal ties to this, this world cup, but it goes back to what we were talking about, creating memories, you know, that, that last forever. And so first game that I went to at the 2006 world cup was England versus Ecuador round of 16 and that's when Beckham scored one of his signature goals to uh to down Ecuador Ecuador kept that game real tight and it was you know completely settled by 
David Beckham brilliance. So I was cheering personally for Ecuador that game. Um, had a bad track record of the teams that I was picking while I was there, but wanted to pick fun teams, and Ecuador is one of those. Well, Mike, I hope you pick some more fun teams because I want to hear who you think is most likely to advance, and what's your prop of this group? I think the two teams that advance here are Netherlands and Qatar. I think that there's obviously a lot of strength in being. We've got the trend continuing. There we go. I, I think that. Um, Netherlands, I wouldn't necessarily bet it. I don't think that the odds are good enough to take that, but would put on Cutter uh, plus 470 to advance and then would also sprinkle the win, not necessarily expecting it, but at plus 1900, I feel like you just kind of got to. It could happen, man. It could happen. One exciting thing about this group real quick, this group is very colorful in the sense that they have a team that wears orange jerseys, a team that wears green jerseys, and a team that wears yellow jerseys. So I like that. It'll be visually appealing. <laughs> it'll 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 be quite visually appealing. Um, I think those colors might uh, coincide with a certain podcast. I don't know. Are we Group A? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if we're Group A. Um, I'm not Cutter, <laughs> but if you want to bet on Cutter. And you want to soften your potential blow from a USA early exit? Here's a prop I like. You can get Iran and Qatar at twenty to one if they're celebrating in Tehran, but not in New York City. Don't matter. You can be celebrating with your winnings. Bet Qatar and Iran to advance. That's a. I'm. I'm saying that's got. A, that's a hedge. Just a hedge. Just a hedge. Oh, Mike doesn't want <laughs> Mike doesn't want none of this. Um, speaking of Iran, speaking of the United States, let's move on to Group B, where we will be doing a deep dive into the United States' chances of progressing out of the group stages at this World Cup. After this. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. Now on to Group B. We have last year's European runners-up, England. We're going to be trying to uh, brush off that heartbreaking loss by hopefully uh, bringing home the trophy. Um, So we got England and Wales, a rivalry. And we got Iran and the United States, a different sort of rivalry. Let's start with England. Steve, um... What's England bringing to the table, and uh, what's their backstory coming into this? England is the home of football, so historically speaking, one of the most relevant countries. Um, haven't had too terribly much success in this tournament. Won it in 1966, but their last time out in 2018, they made the semifinals. Um, I think this is expected to be their manager, Gareth Southie's last stand, whether they do well or poorly. Um, and I think a lot of people are seeing this as a kind draw for them. They're an extremely talented team, probably one of the more talented England teams in our lifetime. Um, And for the first time, we'll be watching them during the national anthem sing God Save the King instead of God Save the Queen. Wow. Did not think about that. Also, uh, very important to note, this is one of three strikers who are going for international records. Um, Harry Kane is three goals away from breaking Rooney's all-time England goal scorer record. I think our reigning Golden Boot winner 
is a pretty fair chance of doing that. And to be to have that distinction for the country that invented the game, that's pretty cool. Um, but Mike, England uh, doesn't necessarily have the best voodoo against the United States. Tell me a little bit more, and do you think uh, the Echoes are going to wake up when these two sides uh, square off? I, this game just, I don't see any other way than a draw. I oh, just I do. am reminded over and over, over and over of Rob Green's blunder on Clint Dempsey's shot, which was dubbed the Hand of Claude <laughs> by British tabloids. And it was a string of just keepers that I, when Rob Green made that World Cup squad, he was in fantastic form. And it was just kind of a, a curse of English keepers just making these incredibly bad mistakes to doom them. So they should handily win this group i just don't think anything in this world cup is going to be that straightforward and they've got a couple of key injuries i think that are coming at the absolute wrong time and losing them a little bit of depth um where they need it like we talked about in the wide areas mm -hmm. uh, i think chillwell and reese james are, are both enormous misses so it'll it'll be really interesting but i i still think that england tops the group i think that you know as steve pointed out they're the most talented talented sides there's to lose i think that something that goes under the radar for england is southgate gets a lot of flack for their lack of you know for all the talent they have they're not the most exciting team they don't have the most exciting performances but what he's done with england is really understood the edict of having of managing major tournaments you don't have to be the most swashbuckling team there you need to be very solid you need to have continuity and people knowing what's going on because you only have so much time to prepare. England is very elite in all of those categories. They have a system they've been employing for multiple tournaments. They have a lot of players who are stalwarts at this point. Um, not their best form as a team or as individuals right now, but I think that continuity and familiarity is extremely important. I like that. How much do you think that is going to come into play? Um, you know, as a potentially huge advantage given the strange nature of this World Cup being in the middle of the season. Um, there's no learning curve, and they're already in great form because the majority of them play in the English Premier League. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out, obviously. Um, rest versus rust, familiarity versus fresh legs, um, preparation time, like I said, cutter. Um, I think Saudi Arabia also has suspended their league in order to get more preparation. Some teams are playing friendlies beforehand, some are not. So it'll all be fascinating to see, you know, what kind of approach really ends up paying dividends because I don't know if anybody has the answer right now. No, that is that is correct. So let's let's move along to uh, England's not-so-noisy neighbors in Wales. Uh, Mike, talk about your boy Jabail. Jabail. So, I mean, I, I think... The best way to describe Wales is it's a lot of players on, and this is no disrespect, but a lot of mid mid table uh, English Premier League teams or uh, backups. They're they're by no means a you know a slouch. They made it out of Europe for qualifying. So they're uh, they're mid. They're eh, they're mid, as the kids say. Yeah, if 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 Wales is to do anything in this group they're gonna have to all play out of their minds which i just don't see them doing i think that the usa matches up actually pretty well against them and i actually have them finishing bottom of the group i think that iran could be a surprise package here steve um 
What does Wales have to offer? This is only their second World Cup of all time. Uh, their appearance was 1958, but recent tournaments they have seemed to kind of evolve into some something more than the sum of their parts. And their only their only World Cup they lost in 1958 to a 17-year-old Pele. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on into Iran, who I don't want to say Iran's in, in form lately, but they are very, very efficient at doing what they do. And based on recent performances from the United States of America and you know how we've assessed Wales, um, they certainly have a chance of making a ruckus in this group as I think anybody who uh, heard me strongly suggest betting them to advance. Um, what does Iran do so well, Steve? How, do, how are they able to stymie great teams at times like they, like they did with Messi's Argentina before Messi just you know, d- pulled a Keith Hernandez and said, okay, I can do this and uh, polish them off. What is their greatest strength? They very much understand that their limitations and how to navigate um, international tournaments. They're going to sit in, play defense first, and try and catch you on the break. And they're kind of specialists at it. Um, in the last few tournaments, they've frustrated, as you said, Argentina, Spain, Portugal, who are all very formidable opponents. And now they've got a couple of players in attack that they could probably get some goals from too. I, they're been improving the last couple of tournaments. They brought back in Carlos Quiroz. They're sneaky, sneaky dangerous. Team Melly. They were the top Asian qualifier as well. I'm scared of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what is it? What does bringing in uh, Carlos Quiroz uh, do um, for their chances, Mike? Uh, I know that's going to make you a little um, bullish on them. I just think you've got a a really solid squad that has a manager who has won the Euros with Portugal. Um, I think that, you know, he's got a history of winning. He's um, got a fantastic coaching and playing uh, resume. So I think that it's the mix of a a nation that um, has, has made more World Cups. They've actually qualified six times. Um, so I think a little bit more than people uh, think, but I, I I think that they're just a more established, better squad with a really quality manager. Personally, for the United States, I would love to have him at the helm. I think he's a great manager. So interestingly enough, for Carlos Quiroz, is this is his third team during this cycle that he's taken advantage, or not? A, he didn't take advantage of them, but he's taken <laughs> taken <over>. helm. <laughs> um, yeah, he <clears throat> failed to qualify with Colombia and with. Egypt and then suddenly got the call from his old buddies in Iran. So maybe uh, he is taking advantage of these sides. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's I that's actually a a funny stat, but I I I think I think Iran's good. I do. I think Iran's a good team too. I think I think they're quite good. Um before we do it before we give our picks and Mike gives us his props, let's do a deeper dive into this United States situation in the World Cup. I mean Things are not nearly as dire as they may seem in the wake of our, I'll just come out and say it, embarrassing showings against Japan and Saudi Arabia to conclude our tune-ups. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but all things considered, I think most people wish someone other than Greg Burhalter was in our dugout. Is that fair? 
He's attempting to play in a way that we frankly aren't equipped to play. And we're adding insult to injury with how banged up we are. But what's so tricky for a fan base to sensitize to greatness in every other sport they watch is that we do still have tremendous opportunity to make it out of this group. And hell, I'll go there, even win it. As Mike has outlined, England has proven fragile against us in recent years, and they're not so noisy neighbors. Wales are typically abysmal in the World Cup. Iran? It's a pretty short sample size in 1958. It is a pretty short. Yeah, and they were abysmal. <laughs> Sometimes you got to know the tournament to uh, perform in it. Um, but then again, these kids weren't there four years ago. Iran's been in form lately. We think we know their ceiling. We could win this group. We could get zero points in this group. Guys, let's walk through each scenario. The USA wins this group if. The USA progresses if. Or the USA buckshots if. Steve, have at it. The USA wins this group if we act like we've been here before. And a quick reminder that we have when we won a group with England in, in 2010. But mostly by that, I just mean not being naive to think we can take our game to all or any of these opponents. We tried to implement a new style under Burhalter in CONCACAF qualifying um, to differing success, but ultimately we were able to navigate and get into the tournament, which we should all be appreciative of is progress from where we were four years ago. But the World Cup's a very different beast. Um, these teams are all going to have the ability to take advantage of us if we play in a way where we don't respect them. And ultimately, we need to show the ability to adapt within game, you know, being able to play defensive, transition, and offensive. Otherwise, Wales, definitely Iran, and most of all, England will skewer us. So it's important to go into this tournament and not think that we can take the game to everybody else and have a little bit of pragmatism. Um, I don't have too much faith in Burhalter overall, but there are hints he's aware of this adjustment, having brought in Tim Ream kind of unexpectedly to play in defense, as well as a couple of times he's mentioned the fact that his approach in CONCACAF and the World Cup are going to be different or that he understands the difference. So I'm very interested to see how Burhalter in the United States show up against Wales because we absolutely have to draw that game to have any chance. Mike, if the United States gets through, why did they get through? If they fail, or if they fail miserably, which is a distinct possibility, why did they fail miserably? Oh, man, that's that's actually really difficult to answer. But I, I would say that if they are able to advance, it means that there has been some sort of an alignment between the coaching and what we see on the pitch. Because from what I've seen in the run-up, it's essentially – maybe the most talented squad in most positions that we have ever seen for USA, but they don't play like that. And so I would say to get through, it's really just going to be everybody getting on the same page with, with Burhalter and the plan, you know, working out. I would say for things to go South is if the opener starts to get out of hand and then doubts start creeping in. You start having a very young team show a lack of experience in terms of finger pointing, that sort of thing. So want to make sure that we get off to a really, really strong start. And then, um, 
you know, obviously build from there. I think that's stating the obvious to a degree, but with young teams, you can spiral quickly if you don't get it together, you know, pretty early on. It's worth noting this is the second youngest team in the tournament. Um, we very much have turned the page from 2018. There are only four players from that Trinidad and Tobago debacle on the team. DeAndre Yedlin is the only player with any World Cup experience. So to a certain extent, we do need to be just comfortable with the fact this may be a learning exercise, but with some eyes to 2026. But also, like Mike said, we have as much talent as we've had in a while. Um, we finally have a lot of talent in attacking positions that are capable of hurting someone. So. I hope that we can, you know, enjoy it a little bit and show some of our quality. I was going to say, too, I think we got really lucky drawing whales first. Oh, absolutely. It's massive. Because that's the sort of momentum thing I'm talking about. You get shelled 5-0 by England, and that that's lights out for the tournament. Well, even if England's last, can you imagine just not getting your footing, drawing whales, and then having to play against a side as organized and tight? is Iran and trying to create against them. I mean, that would be a disaster, I think. Yeah. I, I, I think the strong the strong start against Wales is is really huge. Yeah. So there are many scenarios and there's, you know, success it's such a nebulous word when it comes to, you know, the United States and soccer. But I still see many scenarios where we overperform, but just through certain circumstances don't get through. Um, I see many, many situations where we have a dismal performance and Wales just looks awful. And Iran is just very easily figured out. And, um, you know, we do get through, but, uh, just get embarrassed in the knock. We get embarrassed in the knockouts. Anyways, anybody can get embarrassed in the knockouts. Brazil can get embarrassed in the knockouts. Anyways, point being, as Steve pointed out earlier, you know, the ELO, rating of this group is so tight. How are we going to get a sense of our performance? And is this so much about momentum, about engagement, about recruiting, about branding? Um, how much is what happens on the pitch, fair or unfair, affect what's going to be happening off the pitch over this massively crucial stretch of the next four years as we try to build on this success. Do we need to make the knockouts, Mike? I mean, yeah, 100%. We need to make the knockouts. The, the World Cup in the United States is a giant advertisement for the sport every four years. You always get people that pick it up. I mean, I you'll still talk to randos who are like, oh man, Tim Howard against Belgium, right? It's, it's, it's something that when you get into the knockouts, then you get you start to have more people leaning in. You'll have some people that are maybe on the fringes, mm -hmm. give them a reason to start watching other teams, just get into the sport more in general. I think that success in this World Cup, it, it has to be the U.S. making the knockouts, both from a fan creation standpoint, people that have followed the USA for years, right? And having some sense of satisfaction around the, the quality of performances that were put out and so i you know i, I think it's a, a little too lofty if you're thinking oh the u.s might win the world cup but i'm totally cool with people having that dream and i think that if if we can make any sort of a run i think that that's super exciting and i also think something that's cool you know i talked about the fan fest or the lack thereof curious if maybe more families you know are are going to be um 
you know, getting on, on this, this bandwagon. So the further you go, obviously, you know, that's the better, but I think in terms of the States, every consecutive round that you go in the knockouts, you gain a considerable amount of newly minted fans who are then world cup ends. And they're like, where can I get more of this? Yeah. It's extraordinarily important to the MLS too, especially with the homegrown, you know, uh, momentum there. Uh, Steve, we weren't in this tournament four years ago. We weren't in this tournament four years ago because we couldn't beat Trinidad and Tobago. Now, Mike's telling me we got to make the knockouts. Is that too lofty of an expectation? To define success in the tournament, um, at first I just want to be realistic and realize that being in the tournament at all is progress. Absolutely. But now that we're here, and considering the draw we've gotten, there's a really solid opportunity to perform, probably favored to get out of the group, and do that and get a knockout game against maybe the Dutch. Um, I think quote-unquote success for the tournament would be solid performance against England, get a little bit of an education of what a knockout game is supposed to look like because we don't have anyone who's played in those type of games now and have that experience going into 2026. Um, That said, I can envision a scenario where, you know, we play smart, we play well, maybe get unlucky once, have a good showing against England, get four points, get dumped. It's going to be a little bit more than points and progress to define the success in this tournament we really need to show up and prove that we haven't lost that much footing in the last eight years but it would be very prudent for us as far as progressing the game to have a good showing in the group and get a knockout game absolutely um all that being said mike who do you think advances what is your bet for this group what is the mitts pick of this group this one's tough. I, you know, we, we've, we've outlined it a couple of different times, but this statistically is the tightest group in the world cup. I think, uh, if you're a betting man, which I am, I think that the value bet here is the USA to advance at minus one Oh five. I would, uh, sprinkle a little bit on Iran plus 300. There's no value in taking England. Uh, there's just, you know, not good odds, and um, I would put Wales' chances of advancing close to zero. So I think that um, you sprinkle both Iran and USA advancing, obviously hoping that um, it's the USA, if we're all thinking England is the other the other side. Fair enough. I'm sure the Just for Kicks universe just took a huge sigh of relief because you have been white hot, my friend, and not going to lie. Really want to see us in the knockouts. Let's do it. So, guys, that's the USA's fate. You've heard it here first. We're all hopeful. We'll be back to discuss all the group stage action after this. Welcome back to the podcast. Let's move on to Group C. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. So, Argentina is a favorite here. Any reason to think that uh, they'll have a slow start this go round? Um, first, is Di Maria playing? Is he healthy? Yes. Thank God. Um, you know, I don't. You can only beat you can only beat the teams that you play. But I, I have to think that that Germany um, Argentina final would have been a little different had he been on the pitch. But 
it is what it is. Um, Argentina is joined by uh, Robert Lewandowski's Poland, Mexico, and the team USA's biggest fear, Saudi Arabia. I hope we don't meet them in the knockouts. Steve, Argentina's history is starting slow. Will they do it this time, or are they going to be off to the races? Argentina got a pretty kind draw, getting to open up with Saudi Arabia, probably one of the worst teams in the tournament, to be perfectly frank. And not only are they favorites within the group, Argentina is one of the favorites to take home the title. Everybody knows about Messi. Um, the buildup to this tournament has been an absolute tsunami. And they're coming in 35 matches unbeaten, longest in the world, and Copa America reigning champions. This is one of the most important teams in world football. Messi is one of the most important players. I could see a slowish start, I suppose, but they have some of the best form in the world. They've finally really solidified and coalesced into a fully balanced team, which has not been the case in the past. This Argentina team is a force to be reckoned with, and I don't think Saudi Arabia is going to be too much of a speed bump to get started. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Saudi Arabia. Um, obviously, they're a very excitable footballing nation based on their investment in Newcastle, but I don't think the national team is there yet. Um I think it's pretty easy to just miss their chances out of, out of hand. Uh, Mike, Steve, are you with me? Yeah, I mean this this group is is Mexico or Poland finishing runners up, which um, unfortunately for Poland, I, don't, I just don't think they have the depth. So I, I think this is Mexico's at minus one twenty to advance second. But I don't think you can go wrong with either. Ditching Maddie Cash, man, I, that's just that's just cold. I, I mean, I listen, love Maddie Cash. Lou is one of my favorite players to watch. I just I think Mexico's got a lot more balance. And, you know, if, if I have to pick, if I have to pick between them. What does Mexico always do? They make the round of 16 and they go home. Seven straight tournaments. Do you see that streak ending? Well, Poland has decided to skip out on the knockouts for quite a bit. Yeah. So. Well, trends say Poland will lose out to Mexico advancing in this group. <laughs> um, also <laughs> worth noting, Mexico's away uniforms are really strong contenders for kit of the tournament is it the black one no they're white with red oh with like the uh montezuma yeah they're sick oh that's that, that's that's fabulous well i want to give a real quick shout out to uh saudi arabia because we were kind of beating up on them for a second but their manager air renard is the only man to ever win afcon with two different nations so you know they do have some pedigree that's fun well and you know if if France wins, if Argentina wins, if um, Brazil wins, um, if anybody who plays for Newcastle wins, I mean, you know, their pockets are winning. So it's not bad to be Saudi Arabia right now and be a fan of the beautiful game. Um, so, Mike, you got Mexico advancing. Any props from this group for the Mets picks, Faithful? I, I think you take, uh, especially with this away kit, from Mexico. I think you take them at minus 120 to advance. Again, Argentina wouldn't take wouldn't take either of their props. Maybe minus 220 to win the group. I don't think they start slow. I think this is the year that they turn it around and I think they go the distance. Well, we'll see uh we'll see if that happens. Let's move on to group D where France Oh, France is joined by Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Three out of the same four from 2018. Yep. 
Yeah, what is that? It, 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 Huge bummer. I mean, I look at the Champions League draw. I look at these draws. I mean, it's just, are they just getting lazy? Are they just like, we literally can't, can FIFA not be moved to actually re, reprint the things you spin out of the ball? I mean, because the, the, it defies logic how often these teams are matched up against each other. Yeah, I think especially being the last World Cup. Like when I was doing my research, I, I was like, Australia, Denmark drew the last time they played. Oh, yep, that was the last World Cup 1-1. Yeah. So Denmark notorious starting fast. France notorious for having dizzying highs and um, just depressing lows. Confusing lows. Conf- <laughs> confounding lows. To the degree that Mike actually had to briefly study um, witchcraft, try to make some sense of what was going on at PSG this year. Um, I think France probably wins this group, but it's good odds for uh, Denmark uh, maybe to take advantage as they do start pretty quickly. They have a good goalkeeper and uh, Christian Eriksen um, always overperforms in the World Cup. You think France tops this group or you think Denmark can do it, Steve? Uh, according to ELO ratings, this is the closest second versus first matchup. France is number six in the world. Denmark's number nine. Um, Denmark, like we said, have been drawn against them a couple times recently, including the Nations League. Denmark is two wins and a draw in their last three against France. Ooh. Not the least of France's worries. They have well-documented um, consistency issues in these tournaments, most famously after winning in 1998, um, getting dumped in the group stage in 2002. But now the winner's curse of the World Cup, the last four European winners, have all failed to get out of the group. And France is replacing the midfield that was the engine of their team in 2018 when they won the title with some newcomers. Um, maybe that's counterbalanced by the fact they're now bringing in Benzema. But it's uh, very much just enough question marks for France. And Denmark has a lot of consistency going for them right now. Um, kind of feels like a perfect storm. Um, second of our three main characters in the record-breaking books Olivier Giroud is only two goals away from Thierry Henry for all-time France goal scorer. Wow. Yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and that blew my mind. Um, Mike, you're about to be the doppelganger for the uh, all-time leading goal scorer in French soccer history. How does that How does that make you feel? I was once called a Nordstrom rack, <laughs> Olivier Giroud, and <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. That's so good. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's karma for you calling me a big lots Hugo Lorries. <laughs> so Mike, um I'm looking at your Mets pick for this group and it's and it's Australia plus four seventy to advance. Who are you saying is not gonna get out of here? Is it France? <laughs> you you trying to you you saying that France ain't making it out alive? Hold on. In the honor of Denmark, let's not kill Hamlet. I, just yet. I, do you want to say something about Denmark, Mike? Uh, no. Yeah, so here, here's my here's my thing is even over the course of this conversation, I like I I continually flip with this group. This group is very very hard for me. France's ceiling is just so high. It's just hard to be like nope. <laughs> well, and, and that's that's what people have thought after every you know we talked about the European teams getting dumped out in the group. 
France's, you know, weird trend, like these strange things happen. And so for me, I don't know, I, I, I feel the most confident about Australia advancing here. I really do. Um, I think that they're going to be one of the surprise fun packages of this tournament. And whether it's France or Denmark missing out, um, I, I don't necessarily know. Australia, the fighting Mark Vaducas, but more affectionately, that, I mean, <laughs> more affectionately, the Socceroos is one of the best nicknames in sports. It is. Yes. Somewhere Timmy Cahill is pouring out some Kool-Aid for his chances. I'm going to toss, I'm going to toss this too. As you think about, you know, Australia playing in, um, you know, that region dealing with similar climate. I think that they're going to get some of the advantages of where this world cup is being played. And I think that they will likely have a pretty strong following there. So I think that those are some additional things that um, will play in Australia's favor. And I think that's where some of this fun is going to come from. You know, we talked about it, teams adapting to uh, the climate, the different conditions, the, um, you know, the newness or, you know, whether they're a veteran. So I'm excited about this group because I think it's, I think it's completely up in the air. Two things. One, to go back to the unique aspect of this tournament, the location, the season, the timing versus other leagues, like all of it's just so unique. Like no one knows how to attack this. And I'm sure every federation is trying to come up with their best answer, but somebody's going to make a misstep and somebody's going to nail it. And who knows what the margins are going to be. Um, and with apologies to Tunisia, the I think it's worth pointing out the Denmark storyline obviously is the return of Christian Eriksen after his cardiac arrest at Euros. Um, that team really has a lot of fight. Um, they have a lot of veterans and are really familiar with their system and each other. And he coming back to the fold, Christian Eriksen, that is really is exactly the kind of player that can elevate them into that next tier of contender. Um, Mike, we turned the keys over to you. Are you going to kill the giant? Who advances? What's your prop? Oh, man. If you don't know right now, <laughs> we're going to have to maybe take the keys back All and right. just put France through. <laughs> I mean, you guys can definitely take the keys from me. I, Are I, you okay? I, I have waffled. Are you okay. I have, I have waffled. I am issuing a copy-paste. And I am going to for, go. For the listeners at home, Mike is literally editing his Mike picks is literally, as we speak. The teleprompter is being Den- changed right now, but Mike, he is hacked into the mainframe. Denmark wins the group plus 185. I think it's a great bet. That, so there, there you have it. France, third or fourth, not sure. It's all right. Shout out to Nisha, who we barely got to. They're looking to make their first ever knockouts. So we'll see how that goes. Wow. Wow. Well, let's move along to Group E, which has the most marquee matchup that we know will happen. And that's because we have Spain and Germany, joined by Japan and Costa Rica. This group's stacked, and I love seeing the sides play that aren't the juggernauts here, Spain and Germany. Um, It's unfortunate that uh, Japan... um, have you know just such titans ahead of them um it's always love to see them make a run uh when they can um very very exciting match with belgium 
that taught us yet again two was a dangerous lead. But I do have a feeling they will have something to say about uh, how this goes down. And then Costa Rica. We got Kaylor Navas. You know, you got that guy in, in the net. Anything can happen. Um, I mean, we can also call this the Mr. Mike group because of his heritage. Um, so who are you feeling more uh, bullish on right now? Spain or uh, Germany, who are virtually tied. Spain's slight favorite to win the group. Yeah, and I think I think that's right. I think that um, Spain are very pragmatic in group stages. I could see them, you know, scraping scraping some one nils. So I- I'm going with Spain to win this group, and I I think this is a pretty straightforward one. I think Germany comes in second. I think Japan is a wild card. They are someone who could potentially upset Germany. And then um, I love Costa Rica, actually the only Central American team to qualify uh, for five World Cups. This is their sixth. And they're always a really um, just just a, a fun team, a great fan base, a great culture. Um, Pura Vida, baby. Yeah, Pura Vida. But um, I, I honestly, I'm not taking any groups, any bets from this group just because I think it's it's not one that you can win a ton from. And it should be straightforward. But obviously, you're going to want to make sure you give Spain and Germany a watch. And then Japan is is pretty consistently the most industrious team, um, just most disciplined team ever. Um, I, I They're fun to watch. They are so unbelievably organized. It's incredible. And sneaky athletic. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's just not a lot of value here, but this is a very, very fun um fun group and uh japan and costa rica can certainly be disruptors uh steve yeah when the group first came out obviously spain versus germany is the titanic matchup of the first round um but funnily enough both teams have just enough of a question mark they're both outside of that first round of contenders um spain is young and on an upward trajectory um they have a lot of young contributors but no real proven goal scorer so where those are going to come from, we don't quite know. Germany, on the other hand, has talent all over the field, but hasn't quite figured out exactly how they want to organize it yet. Um, Hansi Flick, their manager, said that he was definitely tinkering during their last um, friendlies and Nations League matches, but they were not impressive. Maybe they get that sorted out. Germany, of all teams ever, is one team that doesn't need to have any form. They're a tournament team. No. Uh, but 2018 was their first time ever exiting in the group stage before that they had made 10 out of 13 semifinals <laughs> they show up to these turn yeah exactly germany shows up to these tournaments and just knows how to navigate it um they this, this is their 20th world cup they're four-time champions both of those are only second in brazil but japan is their opening match and japan's exactly the team you do not want to play if you don't know who you are yet 10 million percent oh shout out daniel schmidt the goalkeeper for Japan was actually born in Illinois. Wow. No way. Yeah, wow. moved to Japan when he was two, I believe. That's a fun one. Go Blue Samurai. So group F, we have Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Um, you know, I know Belgium is, uh, you know, a brand at this point, and they have been stacked for many, many years, but this seems, seems like the year they are destined for disappointment. Are they washed up? Uh Steve, do you think uh, Croatia seems to be the thinking man's choice to win this group at this point? Group F, definitely the group of energetic underdogs versus the aging European squads. Um, Belgium, like you said, kind of 
getting long in the tooth, they have the same nucleus they've had for a while. They're going to be running the same system, but it'll be interesting to see if they still have a little bit of um, gas in the tank, so to speak. Croatia is a very similar team. Obviously, famously had a great run to the final in 2018, but a lot of those same players are in their mid or late 30s, even in the case of Luka Modric. Um, I think Croatia has done a little bit better job of bringing in some young talent mm-hmm. behind them. Kovacic with some energy in the midfield. Um, Jasko Guardiol in defense. Um, I, I, so I think that they might have a little bit more legs in them. But Canada, as long as Alfonso Davies is available, and especially Morocco, those are two teams that are going to come in flying. They're not going to be scared of anybody. And they, if if you're... If you ain't ready. Worried about conserving energy or not willing to take some fight to them. There's a bunch of kids out there on Canada and Morocco who are ready to take advantage of it. Mike, um, who advances and uh, what is your bet for this group? Yeah, I think, you know, this is maybe a little too early for the young guns of Morocco and Canada. So I've got Belgium winning this group. That's actually my pick as well. I think minus 150 for, you know, what is potentially the last big hurrah for Kevin De Bruyne, who's in phenomenal form right now. I think that this World Cup is coming at the right time for him. Um, and then I think Croatia sort of has their, um, you know, their their swan song. But I could see I could see Morocco uh, potentially giving Croatia a fight. Uh, but I think experience over youth in this group. The two greatest midfielders in the world are playing each other in the last match in this group. Croatia, Luka Modric against Kevin De Bruyne in Belgium. If you want to watch two good midfielders, it'll all be on the same field. I, I can't wait for that one. That's going to be amazing. Um, let's move on to Group G, where it's fun to be at the top, but the rest of the uh, crowd is definitely going to have something to say about who's joining Brazil in the knockouts. Um Brazil will be facing Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Um, Steve, tell me what you love about this group. This group is sneakily the group of death this year, in my opinion. Um, Serbia and Switzerland are two of the best second and third teams, according to ELO rankings. Obviously, Brazil is the favorite, deservedly, uh, but Serbia is number 16 in the world, Switzerland number 12. So this is going to be a knockdown drag out fight to see who can get through. Probably something that Brazil does not really want to deal with while they're trying to get their feet wet and cutter. Um, but I think it's important to give them their due. The Selecao went undefeated in qualifying. And historically speaking, they're the best in the world. Um, only team to qualify for every World Cup. Six titles, which is the most all time. Um, but they have not made a semifinal since 2002, which is kind of unthinkable. Chiche, their manager, has brought in a more balanced approach and focused on security in the midfield and defense. So I doubt we'll see the bombing wingbacks Brazil is so famous for, but there will be plenty of talent to showcase going forward with Neymar and Vinny and company. Um, as far as Serbia and Switzerland go, Serbia got here by winning a qualifying group with Portugal. Switzerland won a group with Italy in it. So both of these teams are capable of taking down a giant. Serbia has not had too much luck in the World Cups. Switzerland has lately shown an ability to navigate these kind of um, tournaments. And I think that'll probably be the difference between the two. But both of those teams have plenty of talent. Switzerland's spine with uh, Jan Sommer, 
Kanji, Granite Xhaka, Briel Mbolo, and then Serbia, their attack is outstanding with Vlahovic, Mitrovic are both thundering forwards. Dusan Tadic is their clever little captain. And then, of course, you can't discount Cameroon, who is the appearing in their eighth World Cup, the most in African history, and also a great nickname, the Indomitable Lions. That is a great nickname. But Cameroon's a huge threat. Um, they had two, the two top scorers in the last African Cup of Nations are both on their roster, and that does not include Eric Chupamoting. So watch your back, otherwise those Lions will score. And if they get through... Who knows how far they go? They might be the team to break the sound barrier among African nations. Um, Mike, who gets through? What's the value pick here? What's your prop? My so I, I I'm with Steve on the fact that Switzerland is they they've figured tournaments out. They're very hard to break down, very difficult to beat. So I think it goes without saying Brazil is going to win this group. I would take them at minus 220. I think that... Um, Do you think there's value there? I think that there's actually a decent bit of value. You know, put, put call it, you know, $40 to win 20. I don't, I don't think that's terrible for picking somebody who really should um, not only want to win this group, but dazzle in this group. I agree that there are potential pitfalls, that the other sides that are here are quality, but I just... I don't see them stumbling. I see them coming out with three wins, nine points. Uh, and then I think Switzerland gets through. That's on minus 120. So I think if you're picking between those two bets, maybe Switzerland is better value. But I just I don't see Brazil not winning this group. I think Cameroon is the fun, you know, potentially uh, go the distance. But Switzerland likes to play spoiler and albeit not the most exciting football. It works. One last record watch. Neymar, who you more than likely are familiar with, is two goals away from breaking Pele's record as the Brazil all-time goal scorer. So that leaves us two goals away. Harry Kane, England, Olivier Giroud, France, and Neymar, Brazil. Three very, very, very important records. Fun times. Wow. And that brings us to our final group, Portugal. Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea all comprise Group H. Quite a bit of disagreement offline about this one. I'm interested to hear Mike's take because I know what direction you think this thing is going. And I'm fascinated to hear why. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think that there's been so much drama surrounding Ronaldo. I think that um, it, those sorts of player tiffs can make their ways into locker rooms there's something about Portugal that just feels off and feels like they're really going to stumble in this tournament. So um, I, my super dark horse of the tournament and who I have actually winning this group uh, is Ghana and Ghana's odds have drastically changed in terms of um, being favorites to advance some of the players that they were able to, um, bring on like a Tariq Lamptey. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Amarty, I think, is a great defender. Inaki I think Williams. that, um, yeah, it's, it's sorry, and yes, Inaki Williams. Um, I, I just I think that they are going to be that fast physical team that can potentially frustrate someone like a Portugal who doesn't really have a big physical presence uh, 
in in the side. So for this group, I've got Ghana winning it. I've got Uruguay uh, going second. I've got Portugal in third, and I've got South Korea in fourth. And to win the group, Ghana's plus a thousand. This is my favorite group in the tournament. I'll tell you why. A one of my favorite first things to look for is a group that has teams that are not from the same continent. And B, each of these teams has one, if not two, absolutely lightning stud attackers. I think every team in this group can get through. Um, South Korea has got Youngman Son. Uruguay has got Darwin Nunez, Fede Valverde. And Suarez made the roster, if you want to shout out from the past. Ghana has got a decent spine with Thomas Partey, and they've added Anaki Williams. Watch out for Mohamed Kudus, the... Ajax midfielder and then Portugal of course star power Cristiano Ronaldo but the most exciting player on that team in this tournament is going to be Rafael Leal from AC Milan this group is going to be absolutely electric and don't forget there's a lot of um, revenge to be considered Uruguay knocked out Ghana famously with the Suarez handball in 2010 and in 2018 Uruguay was the team that beat Portugal in the uh, round of 16. So storylines all over the place for this group. Storylines all over the place. Indeed. This group also has red, green, yellow, and sky blue. So it'll be beautiful. And if Ronaldo were to be dumped out unceremoniously, what a storyline that would be. All time international top goal scorer. Let's put some respect on the man's name. Yeah. So all the, all the records I've been mentioning, he's got the most all time everywhere in the universe. (laughs) So, so I wasn't going to go there, but I have respect for him too. So I ask you this, Steve, because Mike, I will give you this. This is a deceptively hard group to pick. But Steve, is Portugal really not getting through? I've got to take the other side for Mike on this one. I love his argument about the Black Stars of Ghana, but I think Portugal is actually the best supporting cast that Cristiano Ronaldo has had since his debut. Um, he's definitely not as potent as he used to be, but I think the rest of the team is. I actually think Uruguay is one of the most underrated teams in the entire tournament. Um, they've done a really good job balancing what I first heard the J- Japan manager called generational fusion. They've still got uh, Muslera, Godin, Martin Caceres, Luis Suarez, but they've brought in the new guard of Valverde, Rodrigo Betancourt, uh, Nunez, Araujo, etc. Um One last thing to look out for in this group, though. Diogo Costa is the new goalkeeper for Portugal, and he set a record this past season because he blocked three consecutive penalties in the Champions League. First person to ever do that. And one of them had to be retaken, and he had blocked that one as well. So if Ronaldo and co. get to penalties against anybody, keep your eyes on it. That's fun. Wow, that is fun. So guys, looking forward, um, we're going to do a round of quickfire. So first question. Will a European team win this tournament, Steve? Europe versus the field. Europe's minus 210. You got to take Europe. Yeah, I'm taking Europe. But what does your heart say? Brazil or Argentina versus the field? Yet again, just not quite enough meat on that bone. I want Argentina or Brazil to win it, but if you're giving me the field, I got to take the field. One of my favorite bets of the tournament, though, is Brazil plus Argentina. Either of them to win plus 200. Bigger tournament for Messi or Ronaldo? In terms of legacy, neither Ronaldo nor Messi needs this tournament. But the beauty of this tournament versus, say, the Premier League or Champions League is the opportunity for an individual to make an impact and cement their legacy. 
Um, I envision if Argentina were to win, Messi would have more to do with it than if Portugal wins. But of course, maybe Port- Cristiano drags them across the finish line. All that said, Argentina just has a different pedigree and standard and expectation. And for that reason, it's probably more important for Messi. I think it's more important for Messi, but Ronaldo has more to gain if he is viewed as the reason fair or unfair. And um, at this stage in his career, it might be unfair um, if Portugal brings home this trophy, which I don't expect them to do. But uh, that really, really, really would uh, add something staggering to CV. Uh, next one, over under two and a half Asian and African teams in the knockouts. Is it happening? So in the seven tournaments of this format, exactly 14 African and Asian teams have advanced to the knockouts, an average of 2.0 on the dot. 2018 was the first knockout without an African team in the current format, and I don't love the draw for them, but there are always surprises. And with this in the Arab world and in Asia, I think I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over too. I like Qatar, and I like Iran's chances. I like Ghana's chances. Quite frankly, is one of the most exciting storylines to root for is those kind of, you know. That's what makes the World Cup the World Cup, man. That's just what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, will Messi score a knockout goal? Short answer, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's got to. He's due. Um, is Mbappe's legacy on the line? Or is it all gravy from here? Because 50 years from now, we want to walk up for him. All gravy, baby. His reputation's a bit flimsy lately, but Mbappe's record already speaks for itself. And even if he drops a dud and cutter, um, I, which I doubt anyone expects. He's going to retire with so many goals and at least one World Cup that he started. I mean, he's just, he, you know, it's good. Which Neymar shows up at the World Cup? The new and improved Neymar. The one with 26 goal contributions for PSG this season and 11 goal contributions in his last seven matches for Brazil. It's Neymar season. I, I, I tend to agree. I think uh, being exposed to Mbappe and um, it's caused him to put his business shorts on, as we like to say, and he's become more versatile and less dribbling, more efficiency. Um, I mean, when he dribbles, he's great, but... Um, He's laser focused. It's he just looks different. His mannerisms are different. Um, I'd be scared if I was facing him at any capacity in this tournament. Prepare yourselves for a messy Neymar semifinal collision course. Oh yeah, that can get scary. I know. (laughs) Harry Kane might break the record for all-time England goal scorer. Is he going to repeat his Golden Boot winner as well? Uh, He's absolutely capable. Odds on favorite at plus seven fifty. The English talisman and Rooney's record is in sight. Um, They should expect to get pretty deep in this tournament, giving him plenty of opportunity. And it's kind of hard to choose between France and Brazil's multi-headed monsters. Messi is more of a distributor, so I think that Harry Kane is definitely the favorite. And 750 is great odds for someone that seems that strongly in contention. Is he your golden boot winner? I think 750 is just good enough for me to take him. I think there's a few more fun bets, though. Um, you had mentioned Richarlison, who's plus 3,400. Darwin Nunez is plus 4,400. And my darling is Rafael Leao at 6,500. Well, Nunez is, uh, after starting slow on a team that's hard, very, very hard to develop chemistry as the high sex G per 90 um, among uh, people who've played a certain minimum number of minutes. And Valverde is coming on strong. I, I expect to see that connection uh, really, really vibrant in this tournament. Um, I picked Richarlison early, but I 
do like Nunez as I do think they'll get out of that group. Um, who's your dark horse to win the tournament? I think I kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, my more highly rated contender is Denmark. They're plus 2,400. My super dark horse is Uruguay, uh, plus 3,800. I think that team is actually pretty stacked. Yeah, I I, I think they are too. Um, I would have said... Uh, the Netherlands, but I think they are. Uh, I think their FIFA ranking is too high for um, me to go in that direction. So instead, I'm just going to go with Iran. Steve, who's your pick to win this tournament? I th- think everybody's well aware. Brazil are the clear favorites. Um, they have finally got the talent and the depth and the organization to pull this off for the first time in 20 years. Um, seem like a balanced, cohesive squad and have the fewest question marks. They're the standard in the showcase. And frankly, Brazil was showtime before the Lakers were. If they miss this one, it'll be their longest drought of all time. And I'm always taking the field over one team. But if I'm making a pick, Brazil's the pick. Well, um, I like France. I'm not going to lie. I think uh, in a very strange way, um, having a chip on their shoulder in that midfield, which drove them to victory four years ago, and having a guy like Benzema up top, as well as a stacked defense, an amazing veteran keeper where no moment really is too big. Um, I like France. The only team that can beat France is France. I say that with all due respect to all the amazing, amazing teams in this tournament, but I still think this is theirs to lose. Do they get dumped out in the group stages because they can't figure themselves out? That is a distinct possibility, but I still think this is France's world, and we are all just visiting sorry guys i know you wanted argentina or brazil um mike so i think you know with all that we talked about and i think steve you highlighted for a couple of different reasons why this is potentially a bigger world cup for Messi. i just it 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 feels right that argentina i think you you made the point about their balance earlier too i think this is the most balanced argentina squad we have Messi has really figured out how to fit in however he needs to, uh, you know, with PSG, he's surrounded by stars as well and has just been having a phenomenal season. So I think this is the year Argentina does it. They're at plus 450. I think those are great odds. Um, although I, I don't think you can go wrong with, with Brazil either. But for me, this is, this is Argentina's World Cup. Messi, Messi, Messi. Well, that has been our World Cup preview we'll give you our uh, shakedown for the knockouts when that time arrives and until then we'll be giving you tons of daily content but first i want to le- ask you guys one question before we leave our audience what uh what what match are you most excited to watch this week i think i'm going to be looking to the brazil serbia match um that's coming up on thursday and last game of the day Interested to see how quick of a start Brazil can get to. Serbia's defense isn't great, but their offense is outstanding. Hopefully there'll be a lot of entertainment in that one. Oh, I mean, game I'm most excited to watch, we, we talked about a little earlier, is Japan and Germany. I think it's Germany really needs to make sure that they don't slip on an early banana peel, and Japan is a team that could potentially do that. That's Wednesday on FS1 at 8 Eastern. Um, well, guys, I'm going to be bold. Uh, the match I'm most excited to watch is the most important match in American soccer history in eight years. It's going to be Monday, November 21st at 11 a.m. The United States, Wales, 
it's crucial we start fast. Um, draw is almost mandatory, and we're really going to get a good sense of how athletic, how put together this uh, well site is. So that has been the Just for Kicks Cutter 2022 World Cup preview. After the group stages, we'll huddle back up. We'll do something similar for the knockouts. But throughout this entire tournament, make sure to stay glued to this feed. We'll be dropping content on a regular basis, recaps, and previews. But also make sure to follow us on social, where you'll have tons of bonus content, including picks, prizes, and more. On Instagram, we are at the Just for Kicks podcast. On Twitter, you can find us at Just for Kicks FC. And as always, a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Never been more excited for the upcoming matches. The World Cup's two days away. Can't believe I get to do this. Have a great night. Have a great morning. Make sure you make time for the beautiful game. It will reward you in spades. Have a good one. Thanks again for listening.